Welcome to Real Money Talks. Real strategies from the money makers and the world changers that you can use to make millions, keep those millions, multiply your wealth, and build your team. Here's your host, author of five New York Times bestsellers, money expert on Dr. Phil, CNN, CNBC, The Street TV, Fox News, and The View, Laurel Langmire. Hi, this is Laurel. Welcome back to Laurel's Real Money Talks, a podcast that talks about how to make money, how to keep it, how to invest it, and use a team. And one of uh, my guests today is a great teammate for those of you in the real estate. And really specifically, she specializes in mortgage. And most of you use mortgages. You have traditional financing. We're going to talk about alternative financing and how Alicia is going to help you do it. So welcome to our uh, podcast, Lisa. Thanks. Happy to be here. So talk a little bit about who you are. You've launched a book recently. You've got your own podcast I'm coming on. Talk a little bit about what you've been doing. And now yeah, I would say you're in the education space with me, teaching people how to do this properly. Yes. Yeah, so I'm Alicia Stobie, and I love to help people save money, invest it wisely, and keep it. So during the last crash, my biggest challenge was I, like a lot of people, had a pretty hard lesson to learn. I lost millions changed a lot of things and made it all back. Thank goodness. So I'm just passionate about helping people make good investments, sound decisions, and base it on cash flow. And since we are well overdue for a crash, it's definitely time to consider, you know, what's your play if there is a crash. So let's talk about that. So I'm going to back up and just from your perspective, because, you know, I lost a ton in that. You know, I call it the greatest depression of our lives, you know, eight, nine, 10 recovery. What do you think caused that? So we have that from a base of perspective. And then let's talk about like what you just said is that we're overdue. And, and, and let's just put another layer in here, which is we're not just overdue in the real estate sectors. I mean, the stock market, every prediction says it's going to rock and roll, but it's not happening. So interesting. What do you say about all that? <laughs> Well, there's a lot of talking heads that get paid to say, you know, things are great, invest, invest, invest. But, you know, if they've said that for so long and that's not really what's happening, then I think we all need to think about it and consider who we're actually taking advice from. So, yeah, so I think uh, one of the causes for the crash is the last crash was, you know, there are 8, 10, 12-year cycles. So we were definitely due for a correction at the time it happened. And then, it was fueled by volatile mortgage products and some poor practices with flipping, investing. I mean, it was so crazy. People would buy new construction, and then six months later, the house would be ready to be closed, and people would flip it to somebody else and make a profit on you know the appreciation that had happened in a six-month period. So I think when you see things like that, it's definitely a red flag. And then, of course, we had quite a lot of mortgage products available for people with very low credit scores, not a great history of repayment, obviously a lot of layers of risk. And then on top of it, those people were able to get adjustable rate mortgages, which is always a recipe for failure when you see that coming and it's to an applicant who has trouble paying their bills to begin with. It's very concerning. So some of those products are available again now. There are some stated income programs. There are some bank statement programs. The restrictions are with a little bit higher credit score than I saw last time. So that's a good thing. But overall, it's definitely concerning because we are overdue for a market correction in in real estate as well as the general economy and the stock market. 
And so today, like you said, you know, what's the plan? I would say a lot of folks listening, and again, we're an international podcast, so I also know a lot of international folks are invested in this U.S. market. You know, we have a presidential election coming up in the next year, so that usually causes some flux in the markets as well. How would you teach people or direct people to get a plan given what they've done to themselves to date? Well, I think one of the biggest things to focus on is investing for cash flow, which, you know, you know this, you teach it very well. So I think investing for cash flow versus appreciation is the number one thing to think about. Because if your property is cash flowing, you know, you don't want to say, I don't care what I paid for it. But if you're in it for the long haul, and the numbers make sense, and you're making a decision by the numbers and financing and not by emotions. Those are the two critical things to consider because a lot of people get excited. You know, there's a froth in the market. Investors have been back for a couple of years. And when everybody learns or is trying to be an investor, that's usually when it's not the time to be an investor for uh, obvious reasons. So, I think those two main things, you know, buying for cash flow and making sure the numbers work and, you know, running all the numbers to make sure you have the cash flow. If you have any appreciation or depreciation, as long as your property is cash flowing and you're in it for the long haul, you'll see it through another cycle. So that's that's kind of the way I look at it. Talk about some of the mortgage products that are out there, like the difference between traditional hard money financing, using a traditional bank. Talk about the good, the bad, and the ugly of what's available. And again, I want to link it to what you said when we first started. So it's probably a multiple question. Let's talk about the difference in the products and then who do you trust and who do you get advice from? Because there's a lot of interesting opinions in the market. And I think most people don't know how to evaluate or do due diligence on that advice. Yeah, I I agree. It's interesting because I was talking to an investor the other day who is actually sharp enough to do a 1031 exchange into a new property. But he said to me, can you find me somebody that can help calculate the ROI? <laughs> I just thought, oh, my God, <laughs> poor guy. He's been an investor for years. So I was shocked. And then I said, you know, I can help you. There's online calculators that can help you. I'm sure also your financial planner can help you. But I would seek advice and, you know, run the numbers and seek advice from people you trust. And if you're new to that, then you know, there's a lot of information available to the public right now. For me, for example, you can go on social survey, our average is 4.999 out of five stars, close customers. So look for things like that. Look for real validation and proof. If you look for it, it's out there. That's also what I talk about in my book. I mean, one of the things you want to ask your mortgage professional is, what's your closing ratio? The national average from Fannie Mae is that less than half of loans originated actually close, which is quite disconcerting because usually by the time they find out they don't qualify, they've already paid for an appraisal. You know, on an investment property, sometimes they require two instead of one appraisals and an inspection. So there's all sorts of fees that can add up quickly. So that's definitely important to consider. And then I just look for, you know, if you have a friend, it's like learn from the people who are great at that particular thing you want to learn. So if you have real estate investor friends, find out what they do. You know, look at their real numbers and see how they do their calculations. So as far as mortgage products, there's a plethora available. We're we're back to a lot of portfolio lending, which is exciting, you know, also a little scary at the same time. So there's products now for investors that are based only on cash flow. 
which is interesting. Um, so they actually don't have to qualify with their own job or anything else, just the cash flow on the property. So, I mean, it makes sense, but it's also one of the riskier loans out there. Then there's also bank statement programs where borrowers can supply their bank statements, go off the income taxes. We strictly go off personal or business bank statements, do the calculations of the income from there, and then that's what they qualify on. So there's also portfolio products for people who own 10 or more finance properties. So a lot of these things we saw in 2006, 7, and 8, and they're definitely, I would say, widely available right now. And then on the other end of the spectrum, you have, I think, portfolio lending is kind of in the middle. And on the extreme, then you have hard money lending. And so that can be anywhere from 10, 11, 12, 13, 14%, usually from a private lender. Usually there's points up front, which makes it also much more difficult to calculate a much more positive ROI, right? Because if you can get a Fannie Freddie interest rate at five and a half versus a hard money loan at 14, you know, that's quite a big swing for making your your investment cash flow. And I think that people really need to get pre-approved up front and know what real numbers they're dealing with before they go under contract. And that way they have a you know a realistic cash flow and a realistic ROI that they're gonna they're gonna have from that property. So do people need I think this is interesting because I know I mean there's a lot of folks I know that they'll just go out and put offers everywhere without any approvals. What's your advice to those? Get approvals, know where your lending capacity is, or at least know where your hard money options are before you put on contracts or Yeah, it's a great question because really if you're not qualified and you're not even sure you can buy a property, you're kind of wasting your time and everybody else's time. So I think getting pre-approved or at least trying and knowing, you know, what you're approved for and what rate interest rate you're going to get, then you can really run ROI numbers. But without that, you don't have anything real. It's all pie in the sky. And that's, that's no way to make a huge investment and an investment that is illiquid. If people can't get approved at all, where would you send them for hard money lending and give us some criteria and kind of guidelines around hard money at this point? So hard money is interesting because the sellers, if they are investors, that's a generally a good opportunity for hard money because for an investor selling an investment property, they want to get out of the property management business perhaps, or they, they want to take some profits off the table. To have the seller finance it, you can usually get that at 6 or 7%. So that's much better than obviously 10 or 14. Your property is going to cash flow better. And, you know, then the seller also has a vested interest. So I think that's always a good thing to ask the seller if they'll finance that. Because if you don't qualify for Fannie Freddie rates, that's generally the next best thing. Then as far as hard money lenders, I mean, you can go online and search for them. I find that the best way to find them is really in your local market. You can go to a real estate investment group. You can talk to other investors there, find out who they use for hard money. And then, you know, screen them yourself and find out, you know, how many deals they do. What are their general terms? Do they come through? Are they reliable? Are they a fair lender? There's all sorts of questions you can ask. Uh, But I would just say do as much due diligence up front as you can for hard money because, I mean, the rates are high. So you can definitely shop hard money loans as well. You get a lower rate there. And then the one that everybody likes to talk about in... I see it done a lot in our communities just because uh, we have teams of experts who educate on it, is the use of self-directed IRAs. How much are you seeing yes. that being done? Is that 
you know, I see it done a ton. Are you seeing it across the market as well? Yeah, we see a little bit of that. We don't see a ton of it, um, but it is a very sharp move. You know, and again, that's one of those things like a 1031 exchange. I would say that's the savvy investor that's investing through their their retirement. So I think that's a great idea. There are several companies that do it out there. I would check fees before you get locked in with one. There's a couple that have been popular in the past and kind of had some decline in their customer service and an increase in their fees. The interesting thing that I'm seeing right now, which I think is fascinating and brilliant, is a lot of first-time home buyers that are buying multi-units and living in the property. So they'll buy a duplex or a quad. They'll use a, a regular cookie cutter, FHA or conventional loan with as little as three and a half or 5% down. They buy the property. They live in one of the units. Lowest out-of-pocket down payment available. Also, VA can do the same thing up to four units with zero down. I haven't seen as many of those, but definitely conventional and FHA buyers doing that. And it's super smart. And they've got an investment property for life if they want it at a great rate, too. So let's go back up to the bigger kind of picture. And one of the themes I've always had is, you know, invest where it makes sense. You know, live where you want and invest where it makes sense. So Mm -hmm. talk a little bit about what markets in the U.S. or other markets are smart to look at right now. So I'm a fan of Florida. (laughs) Because I live here and uh, it's a great market. (laughs) Yeah, it's a great market to invest in. And we're seeing a lot of investors in uh, St. Louis, Missouri. We're seeing a lot of investors in uh, different parts of Texas, Dallas, Houston. We're seeing a lot of investors in parts of Oklahoma, Tennessee, where you can, you know, generally get in with a lower price point, whereas a lot of the mid-Atlantic is, you know, priced out because of the strong economies there and bigger cities that obviously tend to drive prices up and demand, which drive prices up. So, yeah, there's a lot of places across the country right now that we're seeing some growth in. So it's pretty interesting. And where would you say absolutely avoid? (laughs) Um, This is zip code driven. You can find good deals anywhere. But in general, where would you say? Um, I think for me personally, I look at it like lower price is lower risk because if I can get the same cash flow every month, if I can get a a deal that cash flows for 500 bucks a month and I can do that with a property in Florida that costs me a hundred grand and I would have to go to, let's say somewhere more expensive, like, I don't know, Washington DC area, right? You're always going to have people looking for rentals. If you're buying a property there, it's more like three fifty, half a million, seven hundred thousand. That's a lot of money to risk to make the same five hundred dollar a month, you know, cash flow. So I just look at places where there's not so expensive. And then I also look at the laws of that state. So for example, the state of Maryland has an additional last time I checked it was like seven percent. So capital gains if you sell a property. So look for states that don't have that. So when you do decide to exit, that's another thing to consider. When you're buying up front, what's your exit plan? Like, are you going to keep all these properties and just retire off the cash flow? That's definitely one one plan. Or are you going to exit, take these big chunks of cash and go somewhere else with them in 5, 10, 15 years? So if you're going to exit and you have to pay capital gains, we all have, you know, there's the federal capital gains, but some states have capital gains on top of it. So if the government's going to get you for 15% and then you're in the state of Maryland, they're going to get you for an extra seven. That's 22% of your profit you gave up right off the bat. 
So those are important things to consider as well. And then tell me your rule about cash flow as far as what percent cash flow to purchase price, 1%, 2%, 4%. What's your cash flow rule that you would tell someone? I lucked out in the, after that big crash, which I lucked out because I learned a lot of good lessons. <laughs> I was able to buy a bunch of real estate in like 2012. So that was pure luck. But I look for returns. I mean, on the conservative side, if it's a solid property, and then there's the whole discussion about new construction versus rehab versus an older property too. You know, how much are you going to spend for maintenance? But I would definitely consider that in the mix. I try to get a number at least, at least 8%. But really, I mean, I'm shooting for 14% most of the time. So it's just one of those things. Am I going to accept a lower return because it's a less of an investment? Or maybe it's a neighborhood where I already have properties. I mean, there's so many different things to consider. But I think real estate easily... If you do the numbers right, six, seven, eight percent is I think that's the minimum goal. So let's talk about your book. Tell us okay. what we're gonna learn in your book. How do we go get your book? Can we download some chapters, see the ebooks? Sure, sure. There's actually if you go to uh Elisha Stobe Inc., that's E L Y S I A S T O B B E I N C dot com. There's an option for first three chapters to download for free. There's a link to go and buy the book on Amazon. You can actually Google my name. And the book's called How to Get Approved for the Best Mortgage Without Sticking a Fork in Your Eye. So it has, it's this one geared for homeowners. I'm actually, uh, for first-time home buyers, I'm actually working on one for investors. This is going to be the next one. But the one for first-time home buyers has a lot of great information. If you are a first-time home buyer or an investor, it really talks about how to vet your lender. So questions we've discussed a little bit goes into that in depth, um, talks about the different loan types. So just like I kind of talked briefly about how you have the first time home buyer or second time home buyer or a veteran that they can use that loan to get a multi-unit. That's a great way to, to get your first investment property. Um, and then it talks about what they're going to look for in underwriting. So if you're not going the portfolio or hard money route, it's definitely chock full of great information. So you can actually approach the lending situation, educated, have uh, great questions to ask, and then get those, you know, answered. All right. Actually, I want to just go back to our first question. When do you think the correction is going to happen? Just as we mm. I know, right? Well, I mean, we're so overdue for it. But we've also been through an economy where we've never had TARP and all the rest of these, you know, Brexit and all these other factors that have, you know, just caused the total seesaw in our national economy and the global economy. So there are reports that say, uh, Redfin just had a report saying that the number of sales were down March to March. This year to last year, we're down. There were other reports that came out probably last fall that also said, you know, the decline is starting. There's less units last spring, so a year ago now, and the average price point's been declining. I mean, I talk to people all the time and, you know, we're still in bidding wars. People are overbidding on properties to win the contract. There's so many mixed signals right now. It's very confusing. But I think probably by the end of this year, we'll, we have to see some sort of decline. The challenge for first-time home buyers is they're getting priced out of the market year after year after year, depending on affordability in their, their market, right? But if you don't have first-time home buyers, I mean, they're the ones that start the process. Yep. So... Great to have you on. We need to wrap. 
And I'm going to be uh, coming on your podcast. So what's the name of your podcast as well? We'll be uh, cross-promoting ours uh, for those who want a bigger money conversation. And uh, we'll stay tuned for the real estate conversation with you. So what's the name of your podcast? It's called Fork This Mortgage. And uh, people can sign up at ForkThisMortgage.com for the launch. So, yeah, ForkThisMortgage.com. And they can get in there and get started and be alerted as soon as we release them. So, but what about you, Laura? When do you think the crash is going to happen? You're a real estate expert. Well, I'm more overall money expert. I, moved through, I mean, I'm doing more like hard money. I'm loving the lending space. So I'm doing a lot more in the lending space, hard money loans, and IRA, self-directed IRA space. I mean, those, mm-hmm. again, overdue. I think this next election is going to see volatility in a lot of markets. I mean, I'm also doing a lot of real estate for cannabis. So, you know, some of the markets I've chose to transition to are very, 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 I'm going to say niche specific. We're still going to see it. The volatility in the CBD and cannabis markets are, you know, state by state. I've done a lot in California and said, you know, it's just the California chaos out there. And uh, they're mm-hmm. trying to figure out how to do weed. <laughs> Actually, I want to talk a little bit about. I want to talk a little bit about that on your podcast. How we use real estate transactions in the context of uh, some of the plays we're doing in cannabis, and how people who aren't wanting to get paid on the license can get paid by housing us as a tenant. So we'll talk more about that on your podcast. That sounds great. Thanks, Laurel. All right. Thank you. And uh, those of you around the world watching, listening, hearing, uh, stay tuned for the next episode of Laurel's Real Money Talk. Talk soon. Thank you. Thanks for listening to the Real Money Talks podcast. Your host has been Laurel Langmeyer, author of five New York Times bestsellers, money expert on Dr. Phil, CNN, CNBC, The Street TV, Fox News, and The View. Want to learn more about off-Wall Street investing, tax strategies, and multi-million dollar business strategies? Visit liveoutloud.com slash podcast for past episodes, show notes, and resources. For some special wealth-building gifts only for Laurel's podcast listeners, visit liveoutloud.com slash podcast gifts. Do you have a burning question for Laurel? Visit asklaurel.com to submit your question and it may just be covered on a podcast episode. So stay tuned and be sure to subscribe to get new episodes every week.